is good, defenders. Huh. Well, 308 days later, we came so far, we fought so hard, and I will speak for my man who I will introduce in just a moment. We've never been so proud, so frustrated, and so bummed after a loss, after a match, after a season, and after an opportunity as we were unfortunately here on episode 134 of the most LAFC podcast. You know what? In CONCACAF, we're going to do it one more time. You know my voice. I am the scarf, J.R. Liebert, and I love all of you out there of the Defenders faithful, but I've got to be honest, there's nobody I love more in the entire Defenders faithful universe than the man sitting a very safe and socially distant six feet from me here at the heart of Screenland, beautiful Culver City, California, then the official beast from the East Coast. The man with a heart of gold and a tongue of steel. Hmm. Ladies. <laughs> what? My partner in pod and my hetero life partner who I also share a bank account with at this point. He's the only person I share a bank account with and I'm 38 years old or almost 38. Is that a problem? I don't know. <laughs> I love this guy to my right. Christian Philly Philemon, everybody. I, I, I'm kind of taken aback. Uh, oh. I, I, I'm kind of, and, and I'm a little bit, you know, tongue twisted. A, a tongue, tongue of, of steel. steel. Yeah. Are you sure I'm your hetero? <laughs> <laughs> oh, with, hey, with hey. Like I mean, it's okay. Hey. But I mean, is there something that you just have to tell me that might, you know, warrant us yes, stopping this pod? I'm broke. No. <laughs> I appreciate that. If, if, if there's one nice thing about friendship. Uh, and, and love for that matter is the fact that in good times and in bad, it's always nice to have somebody in the trenches with you. Yeah. And and look, I'm not, you're not going to get very many angry rants out of me today. I'm, nope. I'm, I'm pretty sad and upset and disappointed, but I, <laughs> I didn't expect a smile this quick into the pod. <laughs> so I have to say thank you. You know that that feeling is mutual, although I, I, I still question the tongue of steel part. Philly, I'm going to do something that you do on every podcast. You ready? <laughs> Hey! Yeah, it's gonna be one of those oh. kind of nights. We're gonna we're gonna exercise the demons and commiserate together because oh. misery loves company. <laughs> but we we can't be all that miserable nope. about it. Well, and we'll nope. talk about Look, it. Look, we could be miserable about it. I for mean, sure. We could easily be miserable and angry. But, but I get what you're saying. Well, I mean, what's what's that going to do at the end of the day? We've got we got some stuff to talk about. We we've got a game to recap. We've got you know a season to assess for the most part, and we'll we'll tell you how we feel about a lot of things. We but. don't have a this day in LAFC history, but when Philly throws it to me for this day in LAFC history, you'll you'll know why. All right. So bearing that in mind, this day in LAFC history. All right, so here's the deal. We are recording this podcast right after the Champions League final, which can we just, everybody take a minute. Our boys in black and gold made it to the Champions League final. They did. One of only four MLS squads in this current format, DC United and LA Galaxy. Hey, you want to get together and polish we'll our trophies? Polish our trophies. Yeah, Love. I got something. Why don't you polish a trophy that you won against eight total squads, so seven other than yourself. Now look, again, I'm not taking away Philly. What they did in, what, 98 and 2000, right? Those are the, the two years that they won the trophies. And that's all well and good. 
But since this format was created, now four MLS squads have made the final, and unfortunately none have come away victorious. But uh, this, Dan Elias history, this is the 22nd of December in the year 2020, which could not end soon enough now, <laughs> especially more than ever. And I'll be honest, we went all the way up till the 21st of December on our last episode, and if you haven't checked it out, please do. We win that match. But... We are going to have one more episode to close out season three of Defenders of the Bank, and that's where we will finish up covering everything else on this day in LFC history because there's nothing on the 22nd or even the 23rd. And look, the thing on the 24th is that LAFC announces their their season and team awards where, shocker, Carlos Vela got team MVP and the defensive MVP was Steven Betashore and the community co-MVPs were Tyler Miller and Jordan Harvey all for our first season. So I guess we did technically Philly have a this day in LAFC history, but next year, Philly, as we smoothly segue into Mm -hmm. news and notes Mm -hmm. next year on the 22nd from 2020, we will have not only this unfortunate matches result that we are going to recap in just a moment, But we will be able to say on this day in LAFC history that it was the last time, Philly, that we could play Name That (laughs) Perez because of our news and notes. And I just want to give a little bit of history because I want to tell you, Philly, that, look, I love rants with Philly. I love scheduling with the scarf. I love several of the other things that we've tried to do on a regular basis and haven't. But I have to tell you that I think my favorite little segment thing that we did for our first couple of years was the segment of name that Perez Philly as we smoothly segue from this day in LAFC history to our news and notes we will have to add the date of December 22nd 2020 not just for the match result that we are going to recap right now but because it's the last time in our Defenders of the Bank podcast history that we will get to play the game Name That Perez. And the reason why it all started, a little little history lesson for the This Day in LAFC history crowd, is that we at one point had what we lovingly called, Philly, three and a half Perez's on LAFC. We had Javi Perez, who unfortunately I believe retired, right? He's now a part of the DB7 Academy. Bad knees. Yeah, he tore his... ACL like really nice guy by the way we did an interview with him back in the day you should definitely check that out if you haven't listened to it already absolutely and honestly Philly's not lying one of the nicest humans we've ever met I believe it's between like him and Philip Edgemato and Steven Betashore for like nicest humans we've ever met so we had Javi Perez we had Josh Perez who as we know is no longer part of LAFC we had He's Alejandro, in he's, he's enjoying himself, Scar. Where is he right now? Ibiza, it's right? Ibiza, yeah. yeah, or Ibiza. Right? Ibiza. However, oh, There's goodness. far worse places for somebody to be playing professional football. Yeah, oh my goodness. Yeah, go ahead. I will play for Hawaii FC, by the way, if I ever get a, a full-time contract. <laughs> we had Alejandro Guido Perez, who was lovingly our half Perez that we said for our third and a half Perez because it was his mother's maiden name, Perez. He was a ghost for the longest he's time. Still, I don't care what you say. He's still the ghost. Alejandro he wasn't a ghost Guido. for San Diego loyal, though. He was not. He did things down in San Diego. But Philly, it was our, our third Perez, and, and it hurts my heart so much, the pride of Loyola Marymount University and your new podcast endeavor, Striking Fury, the pride of the Ontario what? 
the Ontario Fury. And you're absolutely right. As far as the news and the notes, the big news that happened really occurred today. It was stage two of the MLS entry draft. And we are sad to say, just like Scarf was saying, that name, the Perez game, has seen its final days until the next time we get a Perez. And who knows when that'll be, if that'll ever be. For sure, we'll never get four on our bench in a row. And if it does, that'll be one of the biggest name anomalies ever. The last of the four Perez's, Loyola Marymount and Ontario's Fury's Finest, got picked up today by DC United. In a short time with the Black and Gold Defenders, Adrian Perez had 21 appearances, three starts, and a goal. And if you're wondering what the story is in terms of like contracts and all that other stuff, I pulled this from Major League Soccer because not only do we aim to entertain, we also aim to inform and educate. Yes, so we do. Here's what I read. Teams can select players who are out of contract or whose contract options were declined by their last clubs in the re-entry draft, which obviously Adrian Perez is of that caliber. Stage 2 gives teams that select players the ability to renegotiate contracts. Players who remain unselected after Stage 2 will be available to any MLS club on a first-come, first-served basis. Look, we said goodbye to him. He's going to D.C. United. He can help D.C. United polish off their CONCACAF, whatever the hell they call the trophy, (laughs) along with the Galaxy. Look, Adrian Perez, I really feel that he was a solid enough player. Injuries hampered his performance. He looked outstanding during the preseason. But with the injuries that he's had, he never was able to assimilate. And, and it was just, it just wasn't meant to be for him. The competition in his position got stiffer, especially with Mahala being signed to the club. And I will say, we'll talk about him later, he definitely injected some life in the lineup. Yes, sir. There is a bright future for this young man who could really be thankful to COVID uh, as a result of why he's at LAFC. We'll talk about that in just a second. But we definitely wish Adrian Perez well on his next endeavors. It's great that he got selected by another club because not that many players... Do get selected. I think only three this year, right, Philly? Correct. And so he he was selected. Funny enough, speaking of Corona, <laughs> Joe Corona is not infecting Austin <laughs> with, with, with himself. He's going to Houston. Only in 2020 would something like this happen. But... I like Houston, man. Getting kind of snarky with the new Texas club. Yeah, why not? You know, they need a new logo, a new attitude, a new rebranding. A lot of these MLS 1.0 teams do. And so that's the story. All the best to you, Adrian Perez. Philly, I have one other question before we move out of news and notes. Nobody selected Andy Nahar? I mean, shocked, I tell you. Shocked that Andy Nahar is still fun employed. I don't think his knee brace would have wanted to select him either. It's like, oh, God, you again. That's a lot of work for that knee brace. My goodness. That knee brace is the MVP in that man's world. That is for sure. So let's That's awfully talk about the match. Philly, they said it on the broadcast. It took a mere 308 days to close out 2020's version of the CONCACAF Champions League tournament. It is vastly different than when either the DC United or Galaxy from Carson won it in 98, and I believe it was 2000. Correct me if I'm wrong. I could be wrong, but I don't know. I don't think I'm wrong. Eight teams played in the CONCACAF Champions Cup. Correct. And now it is up to 24 teams to play in CONCACAF Champions League. Uh, Teams from everywhere. In CONCACAF, we had teams from Honduras, we had teams from Mexico, teams from 
MLS, teams from Canada, El Salvador, teams from El Salvador, teams from Jamaica, Portmore. United. I, I don't care. Every time I see Portmore United, I'm going to be a fan just because I'll, I'll look, smile. they were part of the Champions League tournament the year we were part of the Champions League tournament. Players from all over, teams from all over, and it turned out, Philly, to be decided by a Frenchman. <laughs> There's the irony of it. And a very fiery and fantastic Frenchman, for that matter. Yes, we are talking about André Pierre Gignac. Gignac! So, yeah, that's, that's the club who we faced. We faced Tigres. And as has been the case for the past couple of pods, there are a lot of you out there who are very familiar with Liga MX. And there are a lot of you out there that are familiar with Tigres. But there's still a lot of you out there that aren't familiar. And once again, we are here to bridge that gap. So here's a little... Backstory back about who the club that we faced is. Tigres, otherwise known as Club de Football Tigres de la Universidad Autonoma de Nuevo León. Hold on a minute. Whoa, let's. I, don't hold. ask me to repeat that. Hold on, I was hold on, on, hold fire on. Fire for a split second. Billy, when it came to reading what that. was what was that movie? I'm blanking on it right now. Where the guy started speaking in tongues and then automatically like snaps right back out of it. The Exorcist. I mean, whatever that was. Can I just tell you right now? Look, we, we were partners in pod before, but look, maybe it was uh, maybe more, the- more Philios and Agape, but that was, that was a little bit of Eros right there, my friend. Let me tell you right there. Uh, maybe I just got excited when you referred to me having a steel tongue. That maybe was incredible. I to be- look, hey. you, you have to remember, English is not my first language. Not a lot of people know this. Listen, Romanian Spanish was my first is language, not your second or third language, my friend. That was impressive. Well, I appreciate that. Much love. <laughs> All right, so they are the youngest club defenders in terms of history that we have faced in the CCL. Based out of San Nicolas de los Garza, or Garza, depending on how you want to pronounce it, which is a city in the Monterey metro area. They were founded March 7th, 1960. 60 years worth of history, defenders. They are seven-time Mexican champions, most recently the 2019 Clausura. They got three Copa MX titles. In 2015, in the Copa Libertadores... They were runners-up. They lost to River Plate. And I will say, that run, very, very important. Copa Libertadores is the biggest tournament in South America. And, of course, they'll allow Liga Amequis teams in there. And at that point, Tigres was the representative. They took River Plate as far as they could. They lost. That, that's the story there. No CCL, though. No CCL. But they've been there a couple of times. In 2019, they lost the CCL final to their hated rivals, Monterey. In 2016-2017, they lost the finals to Pachuca. 2015-2016, they lost to America, a team who we beat. They have been the Liga MX team of the decade. As far as how they performed this season, Scarf, sixth place in the Apertura, which again, the lowest the lowest uh, performing club that we have faced. They had a 7-7-3 seven, seven, record. They lost to Cruz Azul in the quarterfinals of the Apertura, 3-2 in aggregate. And as far as how they ended up getting to the finals, here's the story. First round, the round of 16 or whatever, they faced off against Alianza. They won 5-4 to four as far as the aggregate, but they went to the brink. And here's an interesting story. Their keeper, Guzman, he scored in the second half with four minutes left to go in stoppage to save Tigres from getting eliminated. They almost got knocked out in that first round by Alianza, which for a lot of you who remember a certain Fito Zelaya, he played there. Now, their next round, the quarterfinals, they square off against an MLS side. They square off against NYCFC. 
First game, they win one nothing. but NYCFC had a lot of their big guns. The next game that they played in, they won 4 to nothing, 5 to nothing on aggregate. Then they squared off against Olympia in the semifinals, 3 to nothing, and that's how they made it. That's how they were able to square off against LAFC. And if you ask me, it's a no-brainer. They had a much easier run to the Champions League final than we did, without a doubt. Not disagreeing with that, but Philly, here's what I will say. Going into the match, LAFC, a team that finished 7th in the Western Conference. Not 7th, by the way, in MLS. 7th in the Western Conference conference that is true tigres you said sixth i believe right correct in liga Emekis. correct not in a western or eastern conference thing because they don't they don't do that correct you have two teams in my opinion philly that have my favorite position in the world playing with house money philly when you've already won so much that you're playing with house money you can play a little freer you can play a little more relaxed And whatever happens, you know that you have made it maybe a little farther than you should have. And the reason why I say that about Tigres is actually because of the teams that we beat to get there. Maybe they measure themselves against the Club Americas, the Cruz Azuls, the Leones, the teams that had much better seasons this year. Or maybe they don't. I don't know. But they clearly came in playing with house money and LAFC a team that was without the 2019 Landon Donovan MLS MVP for most of the season a team that was without an identity on the back line for most of the season a team that until the end of this match still doesn't really have an identity at keeper for most of the season and a team who has been defined by their midfield play but who lost our best midfielder by far coming into our most important match of our entire team's history, playing with house money. And Philly, I I firmly believe that what we saw in the first half, and we are going to go through every part of this match, but I do want to mention this before we go through the first half. I firmly believe that the way these two teams were playing in the first half, far more offensive and risk-taking than in the second, And it was so much fun to watch. And we'll talk about it more at the halftime break. But you had a team in LAFC and a team in Tigres who both came in thinking, look, as they say in Spaceballs, smoke them if you got them. Hmm. So you're saying there's a chance. Dumb and dumber. Whatever ridiculous movie that Philly and I like to quote so often here on this podcast... Both teams, deservedly so, felt like they had the right to the trophy tonight. And and I just think there will be a couple things that we talk about, Philly, that carried Tigres through to the match and to the final and to the win more than LAFC. But the first of which is these, and I want to talk about it because it happens before a ball is even kicked. Like you just said when you were talking about Tigres, They have walked out onto the pitch three times prior and had a chance to look at that CONCACAF Champions League trophy sitting there in between the two teams before the match. And I think there's a little bit of that and some other stuff that we'll talk about later, but there's a little bit of that 
that played into it. You and I talked about it on episode 133. This was our first final, Philly. It's our first experience building process that means something. Losing in a playoff match before you get to the finals, I'm sorry, it shouldn't mean anything to LAFC. Every single year, we should expect to go far in the MLS Cup playoffs, if not win the whole damn thing. But it's Open Cup, and it's certainly Champions League, that we need to put a star on the schedule for every single season And that needs to be how we measure ourselves. Because as much as I love the domestic league that we play in, Philly, both you and I agree, had we won this trophy, it would have been bigger and more important to Major League Soccer, let alone LAFC, had we been able to take it home. You had all eyes on LAFC. A lot of fans of Major League Soccer had their hopes that LAFC would win. Probably not the Galaxy fans. But there were a couple of Galaxy fans, I I will say, posted on social media that, yes, they do hope that MLS is able to finally stick it to Liga Emekis at some point. Like, this could have been it. Gosh. 2018 was the last time an MLS team had the opportunity with Toronto FC losing in penalty kicks. LAFC certainly had a shot, and they certainly were within their rights, and they certainly had the opportunity to do it, but let's get into the match. We'll talk about what happened. We'll talk about the players. We'll talk about our synopsis. We'll talk about what went wrong. Let's actually get into the game itself. And in order to get into the game itself, we have to talk about the lineups. So Scarf, as he normally does, he always loves to take the away team because I'm sure he's out there trying to find somebody who played at Loyola Marymount just to stick it to me because I always stick it to him with the Indiana Hoosier stuff. So Scarf, why don't there? By the way, here's a spoiler: there are no LMU people and there are no Indiana people, so that doesn't matter. But Scarf, why don't you tell us a little bit about the lineup that Tigres fielded uh, against LAFC in this CONCACAF Champions League final? Ah, uh, uh, but Philly, I am always, and I will use the word always because I will deep dive like a bleepity bleep. I have found a connection to us in this podcast. Oh, well, yes. I mean, yes. Yeah, you, <laughs> listen, I'm doing the lineup, not you. That's right, Philly. I will take the lineup for Tigres. Let's start with their keeper. Nahuel Guzman, he played very well today. We kept him on his toes. He didn't have to make any spectacular saves. I'll be honest, neither did Kenneth Vermeer. But he didn't have to make any spectacular saves, but Guzman played well enough to keep his team in a position to win. And the first name they trotted out on the back line, Carlos Salcedo. Now, Philly, correct me if I'm wrong. You grew up a Bundesliga fan, Am I not correct? That's, uh, yes, that's a fair statement to make. And what team did Carlos Salcedo play for in the Bundesliga before coming to Tigres? Well, to be completely honest with you, it's a technicality. He was signed for Chivas at the time, but they loaned him out to Eintracht Frankfurt. And Philly, what team did you grow up rooting for, becoming a fan for, and still to this day, Loving to root for in the Bundesliga. Eintracht Frankfurt. All right. So see, right there you go. There's there's your connection to Philly or the Scarf. In this case, 
There's no or the scarf in this one. That's the only connection we found to Philly and I. The former Bundesliga mate from Eintracht Frankfurt, Carlos Salcedo. Hugo Ayala, who I every time I say his name from here on out, I will spit over my left shoulder if I am not sitting in a kitchen in Culver City because I do not like Hugo Ayala. Jesus Duenas, who is not Eric Duenas. He plays for us. Luis Rodriguez, Rafael Carioca, Guido Pisado, who, I mean... What a great name. Guido Pisado? It sounds like he should be playing for sure in the Italian leagues there, my friend, in Serie A. I mean, Guido Pisado? Are you kidding? That's a perfect name. Javier Aquino, who was maybe kind of hurt. Maybe he slept wrong a couple days before because he was definitely on the injury report for a little bit. Luis Quinones, Philly. As we were watching the match, we decided how we felt about Luis Quinones. And I would love for you at Defenders of the Bank on Instagram or on Facebook, at Defend the Bank on Twitter. If you could DM us, that's right, slide into Defenders of the Bank DMs, if you don't mind tonight. It's almost time for Defenders After Dark. It is 10.41 p.m. in beautiful Culver City, California, on Tuesday, December 22nd. Tell us how you felt about Luis Quinones. We were not a fan of Luis Quinones, and we said... Many a disparaging things about him that will remain off of this family-friendly podcast. In fact, it's the most LAFC podcast on earth. Andre-Pierre Gignac. Philly, we have decided after this match, right? You said the comment that the man is now worthy of a statue in Monterey. There's no doubt about that. The fearsome Frenchman, as I like to call him. We mentioned on previous podcasts that Jonathan Rodriguez had the most goals in the Apertura this season with 13. What we also didn't mention, though, was the fact that he shared that title with Andre Pierre Gignac. He also had 13 goals. He also led Liga Amekis in yellow cards. Prior to today, he was tied with Carlos Vela with five goals in the CONCACAF Champions League. Also bleh. He is the all-time scorer in all competitions for Tigres. He has had tremendous success with Tigres. Signing on board with them in 2015, he's played 207 games and he's scored and found the back of the net 125 times. I believe that is a .71 goals per match average. Ridiculous. Prior to that, he had five years with Marseille, had 155 matches there, 59 goals. 36 caps with France, seven goals. In 2008-2009, he was the top scorer in France. Clearly a force to be reckoned with. We'll talk more about him later, sadly, but quite the player, not just on the pitch today, but definitely quite the player in Mexico and definitely quite the player as far as his CONCACAF Champions League is concerned. And rounding out the lineup, Leonardo Fernandez. On to Philly for the lineup for LAFC. Yeah. Leo Fernandez is actually one of their youngest players. And from what I've learned doing this deep dive into Tigres, Tuca Ferretti, the coach, who is a legend in his own right, by and the way. And a fantastic head of hair. Without a doubt. I'm, I'm jealous about it. I got long hair, but I got a couple of thin spots. That man's got some long hair. But Tuca Ferretti, one of two managers in Mexican football history to have over 1,000 league matches in terms of managing. 
And he was no slouch as a player either. He really cut his teeth with Pumas. In 283 matches, he scored 115 goals throughout the course of two stints. Another club he also had a really good time with was Toluca. 104 matches there, 44 goals. 66-year-old Brazilian with a hell of a head of hair. I will say that much. And I do want to mention one other thing before Philly gets into the lineup for LAFC. I want to give a shout-out to Dave Denholm, the radio voice of LAFC, for all of the fantastic efforts that he put out through this season. Because honestly, anytime I hear a Liga Amekis match, and especially now that LAFC has been more involved, I think of Dave Denholm. Because if you guys don't know Dave Denholm, at Talk Soccer, T-A-L-K, Soccer, at Talk Soccer, he is an, a huge fan of Liga Amekis. I know his favorite matchup is the Toluca Pachuca matchup. <laughs> but to That's listen so to funny. Dave Denholm talk about Liga Amekis, he is genuinely passionate about the sport in Mexico. And it is so much fun to hear somebody who is so knowledgeable about the game, who has such a love for teams that not not, not necessarily the Manchester Uniteds, the Barcelonas, the Paris Saint-Germains, the, the Juventuses of the world. He's all about the Toluca-Pachuca matchup. He's all about Liga Emekis. And he has also become a good friend of the podcast as well. So I just want to give a quick shout-out to at Talk Soccer, Dave Denholm. He's also, by the way, Philly, I'm going to out him just a little bit here. He's also a member of the MLS Collectors Soccer Card Club that I'm in on Facebook. I'm part of a soccer card club. And a scarf club and a collector of all kinds oh. of things. You are a collector. <laughs> La- but ladies, now you gr- slow down, ladies. I know. I know. Slow down. <laughs> Anyways, we've sort of gotten off the track here. Oh, kind imagine of come that. off the rails. Imagine but, that. You know, we, we, we've taken some liberties with the, uh, the, <sighs> the liquids we've consumed, and look, it's better than us screaming and shouting. Philly, anything. let's go over your lineup for LAFC. There were no changes in the LAFC lineup with the exception of one Key person. Latif Blessing, for the most part, was coming off the bench. He started today in the midfield for Edward Atuesta. However, we were sort of looking forward to an LAFC signing that came on board last minute. Our friend Slippy, who is now a member of TSG, by the way, announced that... Big news from Slippy. Fredward Batuesta. Fredward Batuesta signed. He cleared quarantine, and we thought he was available in the, uh, in the lineup. We did not get to see Fredward. I don't even believe Philly. Now you're in charge of the LAFC lineup, so you can tell us for sure. Was Fredward Batuesta even mentioned in the 18? It was more than 18. It was definitely a lot more than 18. I know, but and look, I kept in an the eye year on of it. COVID. We call it the 18. Fair enough. No, there was no Fredward Batuesta. Horse we really, pucky. We really thought that he would grace the lineup. No Fredward Batuesta. But as far as the lineup is concerned, Kenneth Vermeer, Tristan Blackman. Jesus, David Murillo, Eddie Segura, and Diego Chiqui Palacios rounding out the back line. Our midfield consisted of Mark Anthony Kay, Latif Blessing, which was the only change, Jose Cifuentes. Our forwards were Carlos Vela, Danny the Moose, Musovsky, and Diego Rossi. And that is our LAFC lineup. 308 days of CONCACAF Champions League, nearly an entire year to complete this tournament. But Tigres kicks off to start the matchup. And Philly, it only felt like three years that it took us to get to this matchup. So I barely know what month we're in. And the only real month, the only way I realized that we're in December is because I'm staring at a Christmas tree, 12 o'clock in front of me. It is a beautiful Christmas tree, by the way, here at the uh, Casa de la Nina. It has a Anthony Fauci topper 
on the Christmas tree because look, starlight, star bright, first star uh, I see tonight. You're, you're I wish I may, me. I wish I might have this wish. I wish tonight. I wish you take COVID out of our sights and let us go back to enjoying LAFC black and gold nights. I mean, that's the second time you've been possessed by like the ghost of Dr. Seuss or something that happened while you were saying things. Why do you all guys, my lyrics I, sound like Dr. I don't want to use the word smitten, but it may be happening. I don't even know. The first Still foul, tongue, baby. What can I say? Yeah. The first... I said that, too, out loud. You did, and I'm going to repeat that on multiple occasions. Oh. So the millions... Oh, and millions. ...will know that you said that earlier I, on in the pod. I apologize. The first foul of the match in the first minute goes to Tristan Blackman in the third, an easy save off of... And I tried to channel my John Champion here or my Arlo White. <laughs> an uninspired header for Kenneth Vermeer. A turnover by Tigres in the fifth and a little confusion on the back line by LAFC in the sixth, but Kenneth Vermeer was there. And the first offside, so the first team that got to push really far forward and have something called on them was LAFC in the seventh. And Philly, what we saw here in the eighth minute, nice foul here by Jesus David Maria on Gignac, perhaps trying to send an early message, but I don't know if that message was sent a set piece coming for Tigres, and I, I will say this, Philly. I, I wrote here in the eighth minute, a little shaky defending by LAFC, but cleared out past midfield. Oh, if only I could understand what those words would mean later on in the match, the set piece defending... Oh. Once again, and after eight minutes, we're nodded at Goose. So the one thing that we took away from the numerous pregame shows that we listened to is the fact that Tigres is a team that is dangerous as far as set piece are concerned. They've got several players that are over six feet tall, Gignac being one of them. Neither Philly and the Scarf, by the way, over six feet tall. Negative, not even with stilts. So therein lies a a bit of a fear that any opportunity that this team would get off a set piece, whether it be a corner or a free kick outside the box, we would have to tighten up because this is where they get a lot of their goals. This is their bread and butter. We don't have that many players that are over six feet tall. They definitely were taller than us, but this would come back to haunt us later on. Nothing materialized there. A couple of minutes after that, Foul on Gignac by Murillo. You got, what, three offsides in a matter of moments on Tigres? Yep. They were trying to cherry pick, but our defense held themselves and maintained their composure, and we got three offsides out of Tigres fairly, fairly quickly. Our first corner defenders for LAFC came came through in the 12th minute. Nothing happened there. 13th minute, here's, here's where I start to get a little you know aggravated. We talked about him earlier. Scarf told you to DM us about him. Quinones, he makes contact <laughs> with Vela. Vela goes to the ground. Quinones stands above him, right? And then somehow he's on the floor writhing in pain. What is it with some of these bleached-headed Liga Mekis players? We saw this in the previous matchup Leo with Suarez? America. Yes. Blah. What is it about... But is there something in the bleach that is causing these dudes to be a bunch of... <laughs> so wait, Trump, Suarez, and Quinones preaching on the bleach. Preaching yeah. on the bleach. I mean, what is it about them? But yeah, crying like a little... 
There were co- there are a couple instances. That's that the we first have. time, by the way, that I think I've gone political on the podcast. 133 episodes. That's that's true. That's true. 134 technically. Oh, I know. 14th minute, Ayala crashes into Rossi, and then he falls on him. Ouch! No foul there, of course, but you're starting to see how much bigger and how much more physical these Tigres players are compared to LAFC. 19th minute, Quinones drags down Latif. Here is a part of the match where we could have really enjoyed the usage of VAR. Now, VAR is not a component utilized within the CONCACAF Champions League. However, they did make the decision going forward in 2021 to utilize this, and it was probably the result of that match that we just had with Club America. No, they decided that in 2019. Oh, whatever. It doesn't matter. I'm going to be I'm going to call myself right regardless. <laughs> but anyway, so Latif gets dragged down and we couldn't tell from that angle what the story was. I mean, he was clearly spun. You looked at it, total penalty. And at that point, once again, it's like, oh, great. Once again, we're going to leave this up to the officiating. The referee is a word that rhymes with tanker. So we don't get the call there. Had VAR been available to us, might have been able to take a look at it, might have been able to rethink that, might have been able to have Carlito square up 11 meters away from Guzman, and that really could have been the situation. Scarf is playing with the XLR cable. He's doing things that I would normally do on the pod. He's the one coming <laughs> off the rails. I'm the one that seems to have to keep it keep it together, and that's some weirdness as far All as right, my here, life is here's concerned. Here's what we can agree on, Philly. And, we, or and agree we'll, to disagree. I'm afraid to know what you're going to no, say. You were we'll, talking to the XLR part of the cable. Yes, but I I wasn't talking to it because I didn't say anything on the microphone. Yeah, yeah, Here's the deal. You look like you were getting ready to sing Living on a Prayer. I, listen. Because that's what we were doing today, Living I'm on a freaking Prayer. Big fan of Bon Jovi sometimes. New Jersey's finest. Uh, New Jersey's. Bob would beg to differ, though. He likes I was going to say, New Jersey's other finest besides Bruce. I, I believe, Philly, that watching the first half, I thought... And I will recant what I thought in just a second because I think I was wrong at the end of the half. I thought that the referee should have been a little more strict with his discipline. But I will tell you this. When we go over halftime stats, I'm going to recant what I just said right now about the 18th, 19th, 20th, 21st minute when I thought the referee should have been a little more strict in his discipline. I will tell you at halftime why I feel like the referee was perfectly fine in his discipline or lack thereof at halftime. That being said, 23rd minute, really the best chance that LAFC had coming into that. Diego Palacios to Danny Musovsky on the header. He just couldn't get enough head on it, Giggity, and sure. couldn't find it on target. Uh, I think he was maybe even Philly a little in between in his decision making. Was he trying to play it down to a player making a run in the box or trying to get it on target? I don't know, but unfortunately, didn't look good for LAFC. 26 minute though, Diego Rossi found himself some space, a beautiful bit of dribbling right at the top of the box, just outside, but. Couldn't settle with maybe one extra touch. And I'm not going to hate on Diego Rossi because, Philly, how many times have you and I been yelling at the television or yelling at the players because we were lucky enough to cover a match or two as press this season, as media? How many times have we been yelling at them to just shoot the ball? And you know what? He did. He took the one-timer instead of maybe settling it with an extra touch. He shot it well over the bar. Nothing happening there. And in the 28th minute, Philly, 
Moose runs into the leg of Ayala, and he needs a stretcher. The stretcher, the magic spray. Magic spray moment. Just luckily enough, he avoided death's doorstep and was able to run right back out onto the pitch. How's about that? But that wouldn't be the only time that we would see that stretcher come out and somehow somebody on Tigris miraculously hopped up and walked on their own boots. Magic. Magic spray moments. Yeah. This magic spray moment. Yes, seriously. 31st minute, got a corner in an unlikely way. Cifuentes had a ball that was deflected. Vela tried to cross that sucker in, caught by Guzman, nothing there. Minute later, Quinonia sprints from the midfield. This is kind of scary. But Segura and Blessing managed to push him off to the side. They had really good defense on him. He crosses the ball. Barassi is there to break up the play. And I I will say, our back line looked pretty good. I will say if we can stick to this back line, we'll be all right. I know as far as our keeper position is concerned that, well, there's a lot of us that are divided. People are thinking a lot of things about Kenneth Vermeer. People are probably clamoring for Pablo Cisniega. I mean, I, as far as I'm concerned, I don't know. Like, I'm not. Maybe we start over. Oh, I'll I, talk I, about it after the match. Don't I, you I don't worry. know. I mean, I'm not going to say that Kenneth Vermeer was completely to blame because, yes, there were some lapses in defense. But our back line was looking good at this point. So... 33rd minute, great backheel pass by Jose Cifuentes. 33rd, Moose gets fouled. Vela and Rossi and Sifu lined up on that free kick. Vela hits the side netting. He shot a rocket from that left foot, and it looked really close on TV. Guzman didn't make any movements, so it could have been one of two things. One, he was totally caught off guard, or two... That ball didn't have any opportunity to make it past him. So I think it was more of the second thing. Personally. Yeah, yeah, probably. But from our angle, we really couldn't tell. We will fast forward to the 37th minute. Latif playing exceptionally well, I will say. Pressing the ball really well. In that first minute, he even pressed the ball really good. We didn't talk about that, but he pressured Guzman there. Guzman looking like the veteran that he is. But I will say the hustle that Latif Blessing had today cannot go unrecognized. He was there. He definitely tried his 10 his his five foot nothing frame definitely dwarfed by his ten foot heart. Let let me say one thing too, because of the scarf speaking here. I just want to be clear. When I saw the starting lineup, I actually was hoping for Poncho to be in the starting lineup over Latif, and then for Latif to be brought in doing what he does every single match. And I have to say, through the first forty five minutes, and we're gonna get to halftime in just a minute, I was shut up by the play of Latif Blessing. Latif played really well I felt like the times where he was a little out of position didn't cost us very much and I'm not saying by the way that what he did in the second half did anything to change that mindset but I was really proud of the way that Latif Blessing played in this match because Philly you and I have talked about it on several occasions there have been times where we feel like Latif Blessing is playing with his hair on fire and is a little out of control at times and it gets us caught out of position I did not feel, especially through the first 45 minutes, that there was anything that Latif did that really took us out of position. In the 39th minute, a hard foul on Carlos Vela, where he was just cleaned out. 41st, a great bit of effort by Murillo in the box, but the keeper snags it. And and Philly, our second favorite moment (laughs) of the match, 
is Blackman, quote unquote, lays out the keeper with a, a whisper of a breath of fresh air. And in the 44th minute. Hold on. We have to recreate that, that scenario real quick. We, we really have to because it was comical. So Blackman, yeah, he might have put his hand on Guzman just to kind of let him know, bro, like, bro, I'm here. And then just like that, he happens to do a frog splash onto the pitch. He tried to do, <laughs> I don't know, we'll call it, anytime a keeper does something ridiculous, we'll call it a memo Ochoa. He tried to memo Ochoa something out of nothing. Comical. Yeah, Panda but, called it a frog splash, I believe, right? Yeah, exactly. Frog splash, Eddie Guerrero style, baby. And the funny thing is, Guzman, had, we, we, we'll talk about this in a little bit. No, I'm going to talk about it now. He, we had to stop play towards the end of the first half. Why? Because he was having shoulder issues. Well, if that's the case, don't do a frog splash. <laughs> uncontested <laughs> on the pitch without anything to justify it. Absolutely comical. I'm sure the reps took one look at him and went, dude, are you serious? We're going to play. <laughs> We're not even going to acknowledge that, but I could not let that go no. without us talking about it because it was really another one of those ridiculous theatrics. That- but but here's why I enjoy Guzman, because you could tell he wasn't there to flop around, to lie on the ground, unlike what we saw from a lot of Club America <clears throat> Memo Ochoa. But in the 44th minute, Philly, I- I'll read you my exact note. Free kick for LAFC to the left of the box. Nothing but the best part of the tournament so far between Tristan Blackman and the keeper, Guzman. Oh, this, is, this is good, too. A- and as soon as it happened, and I'm so glad that the Twitterverse out there was in my brain as well. We had a little gamesmanship between Guzman and Tristan Blackman as Guzman repeatedly showed the ball to Tristan Blackman's face a la Matt Barnes and Kobe Bryant, yep, yep, Sacramento yep. Kings, and your Los Angeles Lakers. And it was a Mamba mentality. I'm not comparing Kobe to Tristan Blackman, so you know what? Shut it. But it was the Mamba mentality, and it's the Mamba mentality of this team where we played through the first 45 minutes and looked absolutely fantastic doing so. Nothing happening in stoppage time, but one of my favorite moments, I will say, dare I say, in the history of our club, our first three years, was Tristan Blackman and Guzman for the no-flinching that we saw from Tristan. <laughs> yep, there was no flinching whatsoever. And both players definitely had a cackle about it, as did we, because it was funny. It wasn't something that you see every day. So just like that, the first half ends. We are tied at a big fat goose egg to another big fat goose egg. And it was an interesting half. I can't say either team really dominated. It was actually fairly exciting for the most part. I would say I was heavily entertained. I don't know about a lot of you guys. But we'll go over the stats right now. Shots. 4-2, LAFC had the edge there. On target, though, Tigres took the taco there, one nothing. Possessions, 57-43, belonged to Tigres. The passes. Tigres completed far more passes than LAFC did, which we started to see that trend in CONCACAF Champions League. But this was quite, quite a difference. 221 passes completed by Tigres, with 169 completed by LAFC. The accuracy for Tigres, 80 Still edged us to our 77. The only thing that they were really tied at, other than the scoreline, was fouls. 13 apiece. Offside. That was that sequence where Tigres got three of them really quickly. LAFC had one with Chiqui Palacios early on. And the corners. The set piece defending. Two to one. Came to our favor. So, that's the story there. And uh, I will say, 
the ref could have pulled out a card or two on Tigres. Once again, we were wondering, well, did these refs have any cards? I'm not going to say the officiating was piss, piss poor. It was not. It wasn't piss, piss poor. And the second half was a lot cleaner. We didn't really have too much to say then. And the stoppage time indicated that there wasn't a whole lot to go on. But that's the story there. And the best moment of the half, I will say, is... You said it earlier. Tristan not really flinching yep. whatsoever when Guzman was going all Matt Barnes on him. Love the Mamba mentality by Tristan. Let's talk about a sub at the half. And I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something to our black and gold faithful, to the Defenders fans, to the millions. And millions. This is, this is hard for me. Okay, And I'm, I want you all to understand. This is hard for me. This sucks. This was frustrating. This was something that was the culmination of two years in the making. And I just felt Defenders Faithful, like Bob Bradley gave me a sign. And I want to tell you what that sign was. And I don't think Philly even knows what I'm talking about right now. We didn't talk about this before the match or before the episode. But I want to tell you that the sub at the half sent my world crashing. The sky was officially falling in the world of Team Brian. Philly, as you have given me all kinds of grief for since the very beginning, Brian Rodriguez has been my Titanic. I said I will go down with the ship that is Brian Rodriguez. Well, when when Bob Bradley decided to sub in Mahala, Quadwo Opoku, instead of Brian Rodriguez at the half for Danny Musovsky, I think Bob was telling us, All we need to know. Brian Rodriguez is a designated player who is making millions. Uh, Well, one million, yes. It's a million nonetheless. He'll be making millions. And definitely be making more millions once he gets bought out. Millions of dollars in his career someday because of his potential as a a young, incredibly talented striker. And I, I think it's fair to say, Philly, and I'll ask you, I believe you think, that the international career for one Brian Rodriguez seems to be shining a little brighter as of right now than one Mahala. That yes, that's a fair statement. But it's who does Bob statement. who does Bob Bradley sub in instead of Moose? It's Mahala. And I looked at Philly and I went, Oh man, what does that say about how they feel about Brian Rodriguez right now? And <laughs> and unfortunately, Philly, uh I think that may have been the moment, and I love all of you out there on the Defenders Faithful who, who have been bearing with me, not agreeing with me. That's for darn sure. Well, we've definitely bared with you on You've this You've definitely one. bared with me on this one. I want to be honest to our Defenders Faithful. That may have been the moment where I broke and I jumped off of or I stopped driving the Brian Rodriguez bandwagon. Let me ask you this. Yes. Does the name Edward Smith ring a bell scarf? Edward Smith, the father of modern economics? That would be Adam Smith scarf. Edward Smith was the captain who went down on the Titanic. Yes, that's who that, with the beard and the whole thing. Yes. Captain Edward Scarf Smith. Oh. You went down on the ship because. With the ship. With the no, I, with on either way you went. <laughs> I don't want to go period. down on a ship. <laughs> well, uh, you had to go there, didn't you? But I any- didn't. I hey, I said nothing other than what you said. Fair enough. So yeah, like you said, Opoku Mahala started the second half for Danny the Moose. Still no Fredward Batuesta signings. 
Need to contact his agent, Slippy, about this. Come on, Slippy. But Mahala made his presence felt. He did. A lot of you said that Danny the Moose, for the most part, disappeared. We didn't have. We didn't lose sight of Mahala. We did not. He was there. 49th minute, I will say, though, it wasn't an LAFC thing. It's probably the first time I pooped myself. I was going to say, dude, I, cl- I literally I put that I clenched <laughs> in this moment. You clenched. I, I nearly pooped. <laughs> we're, we're both in the, the We the both have to realm. replace a couch. Gignac had a shot attempt on goal that if it was a little, if it had a slightly different trajectory to it, <laughs> Kenneth Vermeer would have had absolutely no he, shot in hell at stopping this one. He did with the right foot what Vela does from the left foot, and we got super nervous on that one. Absolutely. But nothing materialized there. minute later, tried to be, we tried to be aggressive as far as our boys were concerned, but there were far too many defenders that not us, obviously. There are far too many defenders on the Tigres area that. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying. Yeah, I just, I just needed to make sure we were not playing tonight. I mean, yes, we're very close to the club, and a lot of the people tied with it, but we weren't on the pitch. They were. We'll never be on. They the were twenty eight hundred miles away in Orlando. Not even if we won charity would we ever deserve to be on the pitch. Let's just say that fifty second minute, Rossi tries to connect with Mahala. Oh. It was a great pass, but Mahala. Couldn't make the play, but that wasn't the only time that we would see him do things. Three minutes later, 55th, Vela gets some space. This was a golden opportunity. He makes a hell of a run, sticks with the ball, tries to chip it past Guzman. Fortunately, he just missed to the right. But Mahalo, we talked about him. 56 minute, four minutes after the last note I gave you. 56 minute, Mahala nearly finding Rossi. Nothing materializes there. And then seconds later, from a pass by Cheeky, he takes a shot, blocked, gets a corner. And he's been in Scarf at this point for what, 11 minutes? And his offensive output in those 11 minutes were far greater than, well, I don't want to. No, say it. You're far, right. Far greater than, obviously, Brian Rodriguez. And no offense to him because we really do like him, but he definitely made more of his presence felt in 11 minutes of this match than Danny Musoski did in the previous and, few. And look, I'm going to say something that might be blasphemous to some, but I'll say it. I feel like through, what are we at? About 60 minutes or so, Philly. I feel like through the first hour of the match, Our most effective striker was not Carlos Vela nor Diego Rossi. I feel like our most effective striker through the first 60 minutes was Mahala, Quadwo Poku. However, in the 61st minute, Mark Anthony Kay, a player whose season has been so maligned, somewhat rightfully so at times, found himself in a perfect position to make a perfect pass to one Diego Rossi, the golden boot winner, the young player of the year award winner in Major League Soccer, and a cheeky little chip, if you will, over the keeper, Guzman, one Nothing, LAFC. We waited, Philly. You and I waited to celebrate because was there gonna was there gonna be an offside flag? Was there gonna be something that happened? There was not. We lost our respective bleepity bleeps and went nuts on the goal. Diego Rossi scored the first goal against against the Tigres. the t- against, t- against Tigres. Against Tigres. 
in, in the, the 60th, in 60 the 61st first minute, he scored minute the first goal against, against Tigres. Tigres. Well, we're trying. We're doing what we can. Look, it's no Brian's song. Look, it was the happiest moment of this game and the happiest moment of our season. season You're absolutely us. right. It was. But enjoy it while we can. Look, 61 minutes in, it's now a 29 minute football match, and we've got the lead. And honestly, with the way our back line had played the first three matches that we had seen recently. He was confident for sure. We were super confident. I, I just, look, I'll say this, regardless of anything else, Diego Rossi could get sold to Italy, to Spain, to whomever. Real Betis, I believe we talked about, was oh, the, the latest club, right? Oh, go to like and, Fiorentina. And, and you and I both feel, yes, he should definitely go to Serie A and then play there for a little bit. But you and I both feel that it's the summer transfer window that we could be losing this guy. So, look, let's say you heard it on Defenders first-ish. Maybe you didn't hear it from us. Maybe you heard it from Max or Vince or Alicia or any of the other fantastic pundits that talk about this team. I actually am worried a little bit. I'll say this right now. We're 61 minutes into the match. I'll say it right now, Philly. I'm a little worried about LAFC 2021 season, not for the way we start our season, who's on the roster at the start of it, but who's on the roster at the time of the summer transfer window, which, you know, only comes right before we make our run for MLS Cup. I firmly believe that once the the COVID crisis ends, maybe soon, maybe we maybe we buy a break, Philly. Hey, you know maybe. what? 25% of our little like group here, we have, there's four of us. 25% of us, one of us got a shot. So, hey, maybe in another three to six months, all of us will have shots. Maybe but, sometime and, afterwards, and all look, of y'all will have shots. And, maybe we'll go back to normal, Scott. But, but what I'm saying is, Philly, but what I'm saying is maybe the world doesn't return quite to normal until after the summer transfer window. Maybe we do this. Yes. Maybe the Serie A teams are still broke. Maybe we keep Diego Rossi, Edward Atuesta, and whoever else is going to try to get paid because, you know what, we're all in this to get paid. But that being said... I just, I love Diego Rossi. He has stepped up in a season where we needed an alpha with Carlos Vela going down, and we got the alpha. Look, Carlos Vela in this tournament, absolutely fantastic. Maybe the world is still broke when Diego Rossi tries to go to Serie A or anybody else, and we get to keep him for a season. But no matter what happens, Philly, from here on out, club legend Diego Rossi. Uh, not that we needed him to be anything more of a club legend after a golden boot winner and after finishing second in the MVP race and doing everything he did this season. But Diego Rossi with the first goal, but Philly, oh my goodness, just two minutes later, LAFC almost gives it. And, and we said this on the podcast like last time. Dear God, why does LAFC do this? Just one or two minutes after we score, they almost give up a terrible goal. So much wrong with everything that LAFC did on the back line. We were waiting for the ball to go out instead of playing it out. Come on, guys. And then just in that same minute, the end of the minute, you started to feel like Andre Pierre Gignac was like, all right, LAFC got theirs. I'm going to try to get mine. And just offside there in the 63rd. And I thought Philly in the 64th minute, Tigres really controlling possession. Tigres Really waking up 64 minutes in, and I'll quote, I believe it was Samuel L. Jackson, Philly, in Jurassic Park. Uh Uh-oh. Hold on to your butts. (laughs) 
Well, there was a couple of things that happened prior to like us needing to put our hands near our rears. Rossi had some fancy-dancy footwork tomfoolery going on, but his play was thwarted. But 65th minute, Scarf. 65th minute, we mentioned yes, his name prior. Yes, sir. He was, he was a joy to watch. Mahala found Vela in the box. Vela had a great opportunity, a great shot. Sadly, it gets blocked by Tigres' defense. And then K, just outside of the box with a clear shot, just barely missed it. And we did have some exciting stuff from LAFC at this point. 67th minute, we see our second sub of the match. And there's a lot of you out there that made this comment, and I will absolutely agree with you. Pancho Janela subbing in for Jose Cifuentes definitely took a bit of the spark out from my my my, my ambitions in this game. Your and I, and my chram is a Borat would like to refer to it. And it definitely had a significant impact. A whole lot changed here. And we can't say that Pancho had an awful tournament, but here's the deal. Pancho is not the same kind of player that Sifu is. Pancho is very finesse. Maybe he's the kind of guy that hangs on to the ball a little more. Yeah, he's a possession mid, right? But Jose Cifuentes is your 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 rough and tough and strong and he I I don't know why he was subbed out. If it was a tactical thing, that's one thing. If it was a physical thing, if Bob saw something that he didn't like, if Sifu looked like he was hurt, if he wasn't giving enough out there, fine. I don't know the answer to that right now, but for what I saw, I think Sifu should have stayed in the match. I think Sifu staying in the match could have definitely kept our midfield tighter. It could have definitely prevented some of the passing that Tigres ended up having to their forwards that resulted in something that we didn't necessarily appreciate. I definitely feel that Pancho coming into this game screwed a lot of the momentum out of our club, and I will say this right now. I am not, nor was I, after seeing him in a number of matches, I am not a fan of Pancho Janela. Is he an awful player? No, by no means is he an awful player. But he's not the kind of guy that comes onto the pitch and gives me confidence knowing that, all right, we're safe right now. If he started and Sifu came in, different story. But to see Sifu come out for Pancho didn't give me a warm, fuzzy feeling in my, in my belly scarf. I want to say two things. Number one, you actually said something that I thought was really poignant after the match. You and I, contrary to what a lot of you probably think, we actually discussed the episode before we go on for at least several minutes. Oh, do you before, think we freestyle this? I mean, eh, some, not sometimes really. It might sound like it, but, but we don't really freestyle I mean, it. But there some, isn't really a, some, an in-depth some, meeting. Sometimes it's close, though. Let's be honest here. All right. We're, we're not but, sitting here having briefings. Our briefing is, this is what I'm going to say. But here's, he says this is what he's going to say. Philly Boom. doesn't even wear briefs, for that matter. But for, for what I want to say, I want to give Philly you're right, you're right. credit for a minute. <laughs> Philly, <laughs> No way. Excuse he's, me? He's choking right now. He doesn't even know what I'm about to say. Philly said a very poignant line. It may have come from Confucius, Plato, Socrates. There I am were, a fan of philosophy. There were several philosophers that may have said this before Philly did. But here's what Philly said at the time of the sub. And we talked about it later, and he said the same thing. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And at the time, I will say, this is Scarf speaking here, that I thought, all right, we got 
Poncho coming into the midfield, he's a more of a possession, a holding mid. And and I thought that it might be better for us to maybe try and bleed the clock. But I did say, hold on, I did say, Philly, that maybe a sub like that should have come in the 75th minute, not near the 65th minute. It came in the 67th. But, Philly, you said if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And I saw Sifu, when he was subbed off, just kind of shaking his head, right? Because no player wants to come off the pitch in a championship match. No, man, I was just as deflated as him. No, for sure. I I wouldn't want to come off. I don't care if I cost us a a play or a possession or whatever, and I would have if they would have let me out there. I would have lost 18-0. But I saw the the frustration in Sifu, but I thought, okay, Pancho, he's our holding mid. And I was wrong, and you were right. But moreover, your observation in the moment was pretty keen when you said, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And Philly, in the 71st minute, it it broke. It broke. Awful communication. Awful communication. Segura, Vermeer, who's going after it? And Segura... I, I don't know. Look, we don't we didn't have access to the audio, right, Philly, of Vermeer and Segura in that moment. But you gotta believe Vermeer's gotta be yelling. I go, I go, I go, I go, I go. I mean, maybe that's a baseball thing. I don't know what keepers yell. I was a keeper in AYSO for like six minutes. I was terrible. I mean, look at me. Come on, I'm not a keeper. I'm a I'm a water mammal, not a land mammal. But either way, Kenneth Vermeer's gotta be yelling. I go, I go, I go, I go, I go. Let it go, let it go, let it go, let it go. Whatever it, I don't care. It's in Dutch or it's in whatever. I don't care what language it's in. Figure it out. But at the last minute, Eddie Segura boots it out of bounds instead of having Kenneth Vermeer scoop it up. Yep. And that led to a corner. Ugh. And Philly, stop me if you've heard this before. Corner, kick, set, piece, Defense dooms LAFC. It, it, it sickens me. Something that we've been talking about all season long. Hugo Ayala connects off of the off of the corner kick, and he heads it in to tie the game. This was his first goal in any competition since 2018. A guy who hasn't been on the scoring sheet in years connects, and he manages to to get on the scoring sheet. But. When you watch the replays, the thing that's fine, all right, he had the header there, but Mac was there. Kay was there. He totally whiffed it. We can argue that there's a bunch of things that could have been done. If we were in that situation, I don't know how we would have reacted, but if he would have just stood tall, planted, he might have just made that play. He whiffed it. Swing and a miss, as Bob Euchre would say. He just needed to get in front of it. And it didn't seem as if that ball had that much mustard after it bounced. He took a swing at it with his leg, totally missed it, falls down into the back of the net, and just like that, it is one-to-one. And that was our fear. Tigres has their offensive prowess when it comes to set pieces. And once again, our weakness gets exposed. One-to-one at this point. Oh, boy. And you're thinking, oh, man. The tides have now turned. Everything is falling in Tigres's play. But the funny thing is that a minute or so after, two minutes after he scored, Ayala comes off the pitch. The damage has been done. Yep. And here we are, tied at one-to-one. Philly, I want to ask you a question. I asked this in several forums tonight, and I want your opinion, and I want to know what you think, because this is, again, Scarf talking here. 
We said, I don't know how many times over the course of 133 episodes, Philly, these four words, ready? In Bob, we trust. We love Bob. You and I are both clear proponents of Bob Bradley as coach of LAFC for three years, four years, 10 years, whatever it takes. However, I want to ask one question out there to the Defenders faithful, to anybody else who listens to this. And Bob, we know you listen, so we appreciate you listening to our podcast as well. It's been a while since I've done that. It has, actually, now that I think about it. All right, we've seen many a telecast where maybe it's John Champion, maybe it's Stu Holden, maybe it's Taylor Twelman, maybe it's Maurice Adu. I don't really care what Alexi Lalas has to say. Whoever the two schmucks were on Fox Sports 2 for the last few <laughs> matches on this. And I, and I literally don't know their names because I don't care to know them. Because you I mean think Captain's ter- Obvious and Captain's Duh? Yeah, yeah. That's so, how I refer to them. So the, the two captains that we watched and listened schmuck to. Schmuck 1 and Schmuck 2. I like that better. But here's the thing, Philly. As much as I dislike those two guys, they did bring up the exact same comment. And maybe they're just parrots and they're, they're parroting smarter people. Because sometimes you and I do that. Look, hey. We are we are not the rocket scientists, but we're gladly wonders. Listen, we are not we are not rocket scientists, but we will jump on that rocket and take it wherever you need us to. We're fine with that. But let that me ask makes you guys naive. Let me ask everybody out there in the Defenders universe, in the LAFC universe, for all the black and gold faithful out there, which chapter and verse does it say that you must always zone mark and never switch to man marking and or? Let me ask this question to everybody else out there. I have extensive experience. This is Scarf. I have extensive experience coaching four to eight-year-old AYSO soccer. And that's it. So please at me if I'm wrong. But why, if you zone mark, can you also not put somebody on the back line? Because Mark Anthony K, by the way, as he rotated over onto the back line, was moving to his left, so maybe not able to quote-unquote square himself up as much. Why can't you zone mark if you're dead set on zone marking? And I believe over the last three years, Philly, the one thing that has been proven is that we are dead set on zone marking. Why can't we also have someone or someones on the back line other than this reason? Well, then we can't counter very well. Okay, but we can certainly keep a few extra goals out of the back of our net. I have not questioned much that our front office, that our coaching staff, that any of our players have done over the curse, course of the f- curse over the course of the first three years. But Philly, if everyone's saying it, who is way smarter than you and me. Taylor Twelman, and Stu Holden both played this game for a long time. John Champion, brilliant. Alexi Lalas is also a human. They have all That's said the same thing. Why aren't we switching it up just a little bit? Why aren't we making a small adjustment? I mean, that's a damn good question. That's a damn good question. That's probably something we're better left to asking Bob about. And I probably wouldn't dare ask him that question for a, for I will a little do it. time. I will do it. Philly, you are you not going me. to Orlando and asking him. Right I am now. not going to Orlando, but Philly, you get me five Unless seconds. Unless you go up to him with a brand new copy of Bruce Springsteen's vinyl that just no, came out. Philly, I will tell you this right now. And, and look. If you're listening out there, LAFC faithful, if you are John Thorrington, if you are Larry Friedman, if you are anybody who has... More than likely it would be Larry Friedman. I, and, we, and we love you, Larry. We, we appreciate 
you listening, but please, I will ask it in a one-on-one setting. And if Bob punches me in the face, I'm fine with it. But why is it that we can't make one small adjustment to maybe put a guy on the line if we're going to zone mark every single time? All fair statements. But fact of the matter is, at this point, we're tied at one. So let's go forward as far as this match recap is concerned because I want to exercise these demons as quickly as possible and move on with my life. I'm sitting here with a Corona seltzer in my hand. I'm going to drink it. We're going to talk about this, and I just want to wash away this, 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 this match. So we're going to continue on. All righty. 77 minute. Mahala adding some pressure on Guzman. And I got to say, I really, really did love his hustle. 78 minute. Quinones goes down. Surprise, surprise. Free kick from Tigres. Oh, boy. Anytime they get any kind of set piece, you're going to have to freaking freak out because that's what I did. Five minutes later. Yikes. Sloppy passing by LAFC. Sloppy passing. And then in the 84th minute. Of course. Of course. Who does it have to be? Andre Pierre Gignac. Luis Rodriguez breaking apart the defense, finds the Frenchman. He plugs in his sixth goal of the CONCACAF Champions League, and that wasn't even contested. We can totally say that Janela was absolutely lazy on the play. At this point in the match, defenders, our boys look like they took their foot off the pedal. They were tired. That, that gas wasn't there. They were tired. Could we have had more substitutions come in at this point? Some more fresh legs? Probably. We saw in the previous match with America how tired Diego Rossi and Carlos Vela were. And at this point, our midfield and our back line absolutely gassed because Luis Rodriguez shouldn't have had enough space to find yep. Andre Pierre Gignac. Yep. And Gignac, being the goal-scoring machine that he is, the fiery Frenchman found the back of the net really, really easy. He gets his sixth goal, 2-1, to one, and that right there, the French dagger into our heart. LAFC's season, our thoughts, our ambitions went by way of the French Revolution. We got guillotined, <laughs> guillotined defenders. Hey, and that's some solid French references all there. And, I and loved history, Scarf. What can I say? Philly, here's the hardest part is that it made the substitute for Pancho Ginella look that much worse. You're, 100%. You're right. he, he was totally lazy on that play. He was sloppy with his passing. The midfield wasn't as compact and as tight as it should have been. The passing was off. I mean, the play that the previous play that prior to this was was, was awful. And look, I, I hate pinning anything on individual players because it's a flipping team game it is. at the end of the day. Yes. You win as a collective whole, you lose as a collective whole. But yeah, it just makes Sifu going to the bench that much rougher because, well, Janela didn't play that you're, great of a game. You're, and Janela's not, right. to me, a rock star. Sifu, in my eyes, total rock star. Look, he deserves to be on the pitch. Janela... Maybe he should have started and Sifu should have subbed in for him. We had a disadvantage with Edward Atuesta being out, and we definitely had a disadvantage of the fact that Fredward Atuesta was nowhere to be found. So <laughs> we're clearly going to run into some problems in this scenario. But, man, I would just love to know, was he hurt? Was he gassed? If it was tactical, I want to know. I don't know the answer to this. We'll probably know right after we're done recording, editing, and all that other stuff. Right, right, If it was right. tactical, that's one thing. It's infuriating. But, no, if, it, but if it was something physical that we didn't see, we didn't know about, that's a different story. But if it was tactical, Sifu should have stayed in the game. 
Philly, I have to agree with you completely. It was a tactical sub, and I'm sure Bob in a press conference. Look, we look. We recorded literally right after the match, guys. So we didn't listen to the post game press conference. Could we, we have as a professional journalist? Sure, but we're not getting paid to do any of this. But we love. But we love you all. We do love you no, all. We do love this podcast. But but Philly, do. you're absolutely right. It had to have been tactical. And I again, you had one of the the quality phrases of the entire time we were watching this. If it's not broke. Why, why are we trying to fix it? The if, funny if, thing is, I don't even remember saying any of that. Well, you had some alcohol. Well, you were, you were drinking just a little bit. But, Philly, optimism. Just a minute later, LAFC able to fight for a corner right back. And here's my note. Let's go. LAFC has trailed in all four rounds. Why not oh, come back gosh. one more time? This minute. And then Aquino is down magically. Oh, my God. And, they and, pulled out the freaking stretcher. And, and the dark arts begin once again. And look, look, it's the 85th minute. I don't fault the team for starting this in the 85th minute. I, I want to say this about Tigres. The way that Tigres, minus Quinones, the way that Tigres played this match, I actually would be proud even if Tigres would have lost this match. If I'm a Club America fan and I watched the 90 plus minutes that Club America played, I'd be ashamed to call that team my team. 100%. Unless I'm kind of into that kind of stuff. And then, you know what? You're just gross to begin with. Oh, I like it when my guys flail around on the ground and fake fouls and goad the referee into red cards. You know what? Hate me more. Hate this. Here's the deal. I don't like most soccer players to begin with because they writhe on the ground like Neymar or they dive like Diego Rossi did in 2018. And then he stopped and he decided, you know what? I'm going to man up a little bit. I'm going to play a little differently than I used to. In fact, it's one of the reasons why I think I like watching some of the technical aspects of the women's game more. They don't fall around on the ground crying the whole time. Neymar rolled like 37. It's a meme, people. I can't stand most soccer players because of that. Philly's a UFC guy. Philly knows what toughness is like. Half those idiots walk around with cauliflower ear their entire life. I'm a swimmer and a water polo player, so look, I wasn't growing up playing sports that are that tough. But I'll tell you that I had several friends that had testicular surgery because of the stuff that goes on underneath the water in water polo. And yet I watch these guys that are 145 pounds flailing around on the ground as if their leg is broken and having stretchers carried out for them. And then magically, oh, they're able to assist on the game-winning goal just three minutes later into the match. But I have to be honest, while Tigris kind of did that every now and then, right? They played an honorable match, man. They played an honorable match. And Philly, you and I at the end of it walked away thinking... The last 45 minutes, first of all, much more clean than the first 45. And good on the refs. Good on the refs. Because nobody is calling for a referee's head or calls to have made or anything else. Definitely not in that second half. There there were a couple of things in the first half, but man, what a great... The Miss PK was a gut punch, bro. What a great second half, though. They let these teams play, and the teams played up to each other's level, yep. not down to each other's level like we've seen so many of these Champions League matches devolve into. This game 
evolved into something more beautiful, something more fun to watch, and honestly, Philly, something that even though we wound up losing this match, and I'll take us through till the end. So that's a spoiler alert, huh? Brian Rodriguez subbed in (laughs) in the 88th minute. God, everybody probably pinned their hopes Hopes that were far too high for six no, minutes. No, for worth sure. Of play. But he did have one good run into the box. He did. Made, made a couple guys miss, made the cross. But you know what? Hats off to Tigres' back line. Hats off to Tigres at the end of the day. Absolutely. In the, in the second and the fourth minute, there were a couple of nice things that we could have done. But unfortunately, we fell short. Yeah. And I think you and I can agree, Philly, that the final 45 plus three or four minutes of stoppage or so was the most honorable football that we have seen in the champions league because of the way these two teams played. And it absolutely ripped my heart and soul out to see Eddie Segura after the match as he was being comforted by one of our coaches to see Carlos Vela, Carlos Vela, Philly, we talk about it all the time, right? Carlos Vela at times has viewed soccer, football as a job, right? And you and I both know there are days where we're not gutted to leave our job. We're not gutted to clock out from work. We're, we're perfectly fine and or elated to do so. In this match, Carlos Vela did not simply clock in and clock out. Carlos Vela was at most the most hurt player out there, and at the very least, was just as invested as every other player with the crest of LAFC. And I have to say, kudos to our team. I'll I'll end with my thoughts in a minute. But kudos to our team, kudos to Tigres. And and honestly, this is going to sound weird. I'm upset, I'm frustrated, I'm gutted, I'm depressed. This is going to stay with me until our first kick next season and possibly longer but I'm proud of the way our boys in black and gold played I am proud too I mean look it is sad and it is a disappointing loss for us we didn't play poorly and the game was really good if I didn't care about either club I would say that I was entertained by this matchup yes our season ended as a result of what has plagued us all year set piece defending Sure, K could have done a better job getting away that header. The defense could have done a better job covering Luis Rodriguez and also marking a sprinting Gignac. Shot was way too easy for him. But here we are, the other side of elation. We were on cloud nine after that America game. And I'll tell you this, I savored every freaking moment of that evening up until the start of the match today because, well... Be as confident as you want. There's always going to be, if you're a smart enough individual, there's always going to be that mentality like, how am I going to react to this otherwise? I don't hang my head in shame. How many of us, and I'm going to ask you this question to be honest, how many of you truly believe that we would even have made it this far with the ups and downs that we had this season? Look, we hung in there. We rallied. LAFC gave us more thrills than we originally anticipated after the MLS campaign. And they gave us something to hope for. It stings. We were so close. Just needed to buckle down for another 30 minutes. Hell, I would have been happy if it went to PKs. Because then at that point, well, who knows? It's a flip of a coin. 
But I really hope this adds some fire to some of our boys. I really hope it does. We lick our wounds. We reassess. We're going to have to reconfigure. And quite honestly, in a lot of circumstances, for some of these positions, we're going to have to reload. We played extremely well in this tournament. And we put the world and CCL on notice. People know who LAFC is. Three years ago, people could care less. But people know who we are. We're a team to be reckoned with. The only question that remains is who will be on this team? Sadly, there will be no defenders in Doha come this February. There will be no away days for the 32-52, February 1st to February 11th. But we have no reason to be ashamed. No reason to be ashamed for this club, for ourselves, or their performance. Zinyak got the golden boot with his six goals. He deserved it. Most valuable player of this tournament. This point, really, the dude should get a, stat, a statue erected for himself. You at said Estadio, that at the end, yes. Yeah, at Estadio Universitario, or however you pronounce in it. In Monterey. Yes. But he wasn't the only person to win an award. There was another LAFC player yeah, that won an award. Yeah, my favorite. And deservedly so. Honestly, I'll, I'll say this. Philly, I think, if I'm correct in saying, I believe your favorite player to emerge from the 2020 season would be Jose Cifuentes. You tell me, hundred percent. I love okay. Cifu. So, so what this is I why love, I hate it when he comes off the pitch. No, I listen. You and I both hated it, but I, I hated it less than you did, and I can appreciate more of why you hated it more after. But see, Philly is the the UFC fighter. Philly's the Philly's the little bit more of a hot headed one. At least, nah. What are you talking about? No, but here's the thing. But you and I both know. <laughs> I was the one that almost killed that guy in Portland. <laughs> He was talking to Amanda for like two seconds. That's true, which is odd. There's, I was told to, to, to not say anything, and then you went ballistic. Yeah, and okay. I kind of lost it. Sometimes I wonder why I'm not allowed to actually go out there and be myself, probably because of fear that I would punt, knock some dude's teeth in. Well, now hold on. I, I have to give props to everybody in the 3052 that was walking with us because I had about three or four people hold us back or hold me back. I should say in Portland, Mo was there. For Mo, that. Mo literally Mo. walked me. Mo walked me away from the whole crowd. I love Mo. I love you so much. Oh my God. I, and deservedly. So I was going to kill a 50 year old man, but he was more like 74, but that's, but okay. Philly, you, I think Jose Cifuentes was your, your one favorite. I love player tough players, bro. I don't emerged. like the wimpy and, finesse BS. And I, I totally agree. My favorite player, and I think no more so than in this match, but my favorite player to emerge in 2020 was a player who I'll be happy to say I hung out with Roxy and a couple of other people at LAX airport the day that he flew in. I remember that. Cheeky Palacios, where I saw the biggest flag that I've ever seen in my life when Cheeky touched down and, (laughs) and we took a couple pictures. I am so happy for this kid Cheeky Palacios because he could have gone to what Barca and a couple Barca of other B different was places, who escorting him yes right and he chose LAFC and I think Bob Bradley John Thorrington Will Koontz everybody in the front office has to feel like they were spot on Philly in this match because I think what we saw in this match from Cheeky is he really came into his own. Congratulations, Chiqui Palacios, the young player of the tournament for a CONCACAF Champions League in 2020 and, and a real bright spot. And I want to mention you know, one other thing, Philly, before we, we close it down. Got some stats to go over. About this die. match. I, I, you know, but I'm, I'm going to be done after this. Is that at the end of the day, 
poor substituting, maybe not closing down on something, maybe man marking instead of zone marking. All of that pales in comparison to one thing that I thought of at the end of the match. 2020 has been pretty flippin' miserable. But for the first 70 minutes or so of this match, there was a bright and shining light, and it still didn't even extinguish until the referee's final whistle. For what could have been the most gratifying moment of 2020, and yet when the whistle blew and we lost, I still didn't feel like much of that feeling was taken from us. I feel like LAFC brought us on a 308-day journey, Philly. And oh my God, it was 308 days from the moment that Champions League started until it ended, 308 days later, which by the way, is the name that we are going with for this episode. 308 days later, brought us on a journey, Philly, that made us all feel incredibly fulfilled, even though we lost at the end. Again, how many of you would have really predicted that we would have made it this far? To face Tigres in the CONCACAF Champions League final. Yeah, I know there's a couple of you that always have that eternal optimism, and God bless you for it. I am all about that eternal optimism. Then the other negative folk, which I'm not even going to acknowledge then at all. No, today. let's not do I'm that. I'm just not going to do that because that's, that's beating at a dead horse. But then there's some of the realists that are you know, going to be kind of skeptical, and I'm not going to lie. After the MLS season, didn't think that we would be able to make it this far. However, the boys managed to get together. They managed to do their thing, and they managed to, to play exceptionally well yes. over the course of these past couple of weeks. Yes. Had, had our boys from Uruguay and, and Ecuador not gotten their, the COVID, would, would this have been the case? I don't know. I mean, Cheeky, Cheeky was infected. Sifu got it. Rossi got it. They played, and they were fine. Brian Rodriguez got it. He played several minutes. I, I kind of would love Damn to it. know at some point the backstory as to what the deal is with Raito. Is he really on the outs? Did he really do something to piss Bob and the coaching staff off? That's going to be a mystery that until that we, we get an answer for it is going to plague me because, well, I like Danny. I love the Moose. But Raito is the designated player. Raito should have been a guy who should have played a little bit more than six minutes of this match. Oh, Brian. You wrote a damn song about him. You don't waste time. We were relying. (laughs) But he's got to play to score a goal, and he was nowhere to be found, so we missed Brian. Yeah. Anyway, let me just go over the stats. And when you listen to the stats, you're going to be like, all right, I get why Tigres won. Shots. 11 to 10, Tigres. We lost. Here's a big deal. Shots on target. Tigres had five. We had one. Just one. Sorry, but it's just not going to cut it. Nope. We're not going to be able to win a game with only one shot on target. Negative. Possession, 55-45, Tigres. We lost. Passing, they made four, They completed 432 passes. We completed 366. We lost. Tigres. The accuracy, 80 to 75, still favored Tigres. We lost. Oh, here's a stat where we won. 23, over, 23 versus 17 in terms of fouls. That was us. Yay. Offsides, 7-2 Tigres. Corners. Set, w- wait, 7? Yeah, there were, off, there were 7 offsides for Tigres. Jeebus. I know. And then corners were tied to 4 apiece. Woo. Did the better team win? 
Yeah, and I'll tell you why at the end of the day. This is a club that's been together for a while. The, the, the core of this group has been together for a while. With the exception of their 22-year-old Uruguayan, these guys, have been, these guys are veterans, and they've been there for quite some time. They've been in this position on a number of occasions. Fourth time is a charm, right? Yeah, they lost their previous CONCACAF Champions League. They're arch rivals. They're arch rivals who continue to hang it over their head. Monterey, they lose to Pachuca. They lose to Club America. This was their time. Sadly, though, we don't know when our time to return in this tournament is going to be because there's going to be some changes that are going to need to be made in order for us to be able to be competitive in Major League Soccer and for us to do what we got to do in order to return. And we but know it won't here. be next year. And it definitely won't be next year. So uh. that's the part that sucks the most is we won't have a crack at this opportunity for a little while, and that little while is uncertain. But at the end of the day, again, I, I am proud to be an LAFC supporter. Scarf is proud to be an LAFC supporter. Yes. You millions out there. And millions. Should be proud as well because, again, they gave us something to hope for. Los Angeles has had a very great sports year. If you're a Dodgers fan, you should be elated. If you're a Lakers fan, you should be elated. If you are an LAFC fan, maybe you're sad, disappointed, and angry, but don't let that plague you. It's been a decent year. We went for a long period of time not knowing if we would get sport. And we got sport. And it entertained us. And it entertained us thoroughly. We are a couple of days prior to Christmas and we had something to hope for. Yes, we wanted that LAFC black and gold Christmas present and the ornament on our tree and the star on top of it. It didn't happen. But we're here. We're here to stay. And this isn't going to be the last time we make it to a final. It might be the first, but it most certainly won't be the last. And if you think that it will be the last, well, sucks to be you because that won't be the case. Be hopeful. This was a great year, great learning experience for all of our boys. There's a lot of uncertainty, but we'll answer all those questions. And look, I'm proud. You should be proud. Scarf is proud. We love this club in good times. Because it's very easy to love someone in good times. Yes, it is. But it is even harder to love them in bad times. And that's truly, truly. And take, the, take this from Mets fans. Anytime something <laughs> good happens, you got to enjoy it. The bad times don't stay. Neither do the good times. But the good times are in the horizon. And for the most part, this season, despite how awful the MLS campaign was, it ended fairly well. Strikes and gutters. Big Lebowski. Strikes and gutters, man. That's what you took out of Big Lebowski. The only thing I took out of that movie was White Russians. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. And that was just this match that we're talking about. We went up one nothing. We lose 2-1. I have two takeaways, and then I'm done speaking on this episode. And I can't wait, Philly. You and I have one more episode in 2020, the 2020 recap of Defenders of the Bank. How, how long have we talked for this episode, Philly? A lot. I mean, there's going to be a lot of dead space. Oh, boy. You know, we went into this thinking, oh, we're going to be done in 30, 45 minutes. Yeah, nope, sorry. Dear God. Two things. One, Philly, correct me if I'm wrong. The You're two- wrong. Oh, damn it. <laughs> the two players who scored tonight, the most capped player in Tigress history. And- 100%. He's been there since 2010. And the best player in Tigress history. <laughs> So we guy who deserves a statue. We didn't lose to a team or to players that are also Rands or found their luckiest moment or their moment in the sun. We lost to two great players, to two experienced players, to an incredible team. And honestly, Philly, we lost. Uh, what is it? I believe the quote 
is I, I would rather die on my feet than live on my knees. And, and I thought tonight we, we died on our feet. Yeah. We, we played agree. the best match that I feel like we could. We were a little tired at the end. We made some poor substitutions. We made a, a player two less than the other squad did. And I'm just so proud. But the other thing I think of is this. I think about everybody who was able to hitch their wagon to the star that was LAFC this season. And the fact that it made your year just a little bit better somehow. This loss hurts. This loss sucks. This loss is the worst that I've experienced as a fan of LAFC. I'm sure it's the the same for all of you. But the journey that they took us on, the emotions that we were able to experience together. The only thing that I know is that for every one of you listening and for every one of you out there that's a fan of the black and gold, a supporter of the black and gold, a member of this club, a member of the millions. And millions. Of black and gold faithful that will pack the Cathedral of Black and Gold, Bank of California Stadium, or whatever they decide to name it someday soon, is this. This moment, this match, brought us all together, and it made us love, and sometimes hate, but mainly love, everything that goes on with this team even more. And Philly, we've got one more episode left after three years of Defenders of the Bank, but there is nobody on this planet, and there are, what, 6.8 billion people walking around in some way, shape, or form on this planet there's nobody I would rather do this with than the person sitting six feet, socially distant, to my right. The beast from the East Coast, <laughs> along with the mouth of the South Bay. Yeah. This is the most fun, Philly. And I don't know if that's a sad thing, a great thing, or an even better thing. No, it's an incredible thing. Come right? on. What have we built together? This in, is in the most years? fun that I have had in 2020. 100%. And I'm just talking about sitting at a table talking about soccer, not the times where you and I got to cover matches while the stadium was empty. We were lucky enough to be there for some of the matches Very in quarantine. Yes. I'm not talking about Thank the times you, Aubrey, where, for that, by the way. Absolutely. Aubrey, Seth, everybody involved in LAFC PR. I'm not talking about the matches against Miami and Philadelphia where we got to scream, let's go and lose our minds and take shoeies and hang out with everybody, not just in Founders Club, but in the 22,000 people that line Bank of California Stadium, the Cathedral of the Black and Gold. Not just in the moments that we got to spend on Christmas tree lane celebrating this team or driving through for food banks or, or just, you know what, connecting, and this is far more Philly than I this year, but connecting on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, on social media. And I can't wait till next year, by the way, but we'll talk about that next podcast. I just want to say to all of you out there listening, this is a scarf. And I'm going to talk way more about this on our final episode of the year. But I want to end it with the last two words that you hear after the last match of our 2020 season. I want the last two words that you all hear from me for this episode to just be thank you. I mean, it's really hard to top that, but you're right. I mean, the moments that we have here together, you and I, are really what have made this year that worth it. Like, we've had all our stuff. You said it. I'm not going to go into a rant. We've definitely borrowed your ears long enough. But yeah, to get to sit here and just chat about something that you and I are both passionate about is pretty darn cool. And I know there's a lot of you out there listening to this podcast that 
there's there's a Philly in the scarf in your world as well, meaning you might be the Philly or the scarf or the whoever else. Bottom line is you have somebody who you hang out with all the time that you know and love or a group of people that you know and love. And LAFC is that common common link. That's a beautiful thing. And yeah, we can be sad, disappointed, and angry. But keep that in mind. We have each other. And players come and go. But we're going to be perpetual, all right? And that's just how we it are is. We the cockroaches of LAFC. We are the cockroaches of LAFC. But no, I mean, what you said was beautiful. I, I'm not going to... I don't have anything better to say than what you did. We got one more episode to record here within the next eight days. And definitely taking a, a little bit of a break. We've had a busy year. We've put a lot of work into this podcast. Yes. And because we love it. But even even Philly and the Scarf need a timeout from, from time to time. <laughs> There are no. There are My no liver timeouts. definitely needs a timeout. There are no timeouts. It's really not that healthy hanging out with soccer. all the time. Listen, there are no timeouts, and I definitely brought Look over. Look at all these empty cans, I, for Christ's sake. I brought over a bottle of El Silencio Mezcal in tribute Shout out El to El Catrin Muerto. And the first few episodes where we started recording this at a child care center in an office <laughs> late at night, starting at like 10 o'clock, because that's when the building closed. We were like like middle schoolers sneaking onto a basketball court that's been locked out just so we can hoop for a little bit on the rims that we could still dunk on. Well, you know what, Philly? We can still dunk on these rims right here, my friend. And I got to tell you, jamming, baby. The, uh, the year that we have planned for our fourth year, we'll talk about more later. But thank you guys all so much. And you all know how we like to end each and every single one of our episodes. We love you very much. And bye-bye. Bye-bye.